Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, welcome to our new series, You Lost Me at Leviticus. And I want to welcome everyone that's here at our Warren campus, guys. It's awesome to see each and every one of you. I want to welcome those at the Boardman campus. Man, we are so excited that you're with us. And I want to welcome also all the men at TCI Correctional uh, facility. You are now one of our campuses, and we are excited that you're with us also tonight. Can, can we give it up one more time for all the, all, the, all the guys at TCI? So good to have you guys with us, and I'm excited about this series. You know, um, years ago, uh, when the church was very young, I, it was 1984, and that's a year I'll always remember because of the Summer Olympics that year, and I just thoroughly enjoyed those Olympics. And my sister-in-law, Gina's sister, Michelle, was only 15. So she came to spend the summer with us, and she brought their Doberman. So I got to hang out with a Doberman for three months. It was a great summer. And Gina and I sat Michelle down, and we gave her the house rules when she, when she came, because she's only 15. We said, these are the rules. Then we said this to her. We said, now, if you break any of the rules, we're going to sit you down in this chair, and we're going to read the book of Leviticus to you. And I'm telling you, she screeched like, no way, I don't want that. I said, well, then you got to follow our rules, right? Why is it that we use the book of Leviticus like that? And uh, it's ruined many a Christian's New Year's resolution. I'm going to read through the Bible. And then it's the third book in the Bible. We arrive at Leviticus and it's like, whew, I don't, I don't want I don't, I don't to read this book because it's full of things we don't understand, but they are very rich and they're amazing. So we're going we're gonna to make sense of this book called Leviticus and have a great time with it. You know, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt for 430 years, and they picked up all their ways. Then God delivers them, and that's when he gives them the book of Leviticus, and he's wanting to help them understand who he is. He's wanting to help them understand who he wants to make them to be, and that's really the theme of this book. Listen to this verse, Leviticus 20, verse 26. You are to be holy to me, because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the nations to be my own. And he's letting them know, guys, I pulled you out of Egypt, not just to free you. I pulled you out of Egypt to bring you to a place to where you'd be holy and sacred. I pulled you out of Egypt so you could get to know me, the real, the one, the only holy God. And he's letting them know, this is why I pulled you out. And so he had to reteach them things. In Egypt, they picked up some bad habits. The Egyptians, for 430 years, think about it, they worshiped all, times, all types of false gods. And so God's trying to teach them how to worship him. And he's trying his best to teach them all these things. And he had to teach them simple things. When you read the book of Leviticus, he had to teach them what sex was all about and holy sex. And he'd have to say, you can't marry your sisters, guys, and your cousins. And you can't have sex with animals. And you can't sell your daughters as prostitutes. I mean, simple things. But that's what they learned in Egypt, right? And so he's teaching them all these simple things. He's teaching them what, 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 what we would call you know, the feast of Israel. He gave them seven feasts, and all of them represent something he wanted us to see. It's amazing. He taught them what clean and unclean food was. And aren't you glad that in the New Testament it says that we can pray over our food and it will be sanctified by the word of God in prayer? But can you agree some food, science lets us know some food's better than others, right? So there's some food you might want to eat in moderation. But 
can we all agree God didn't create the Twinkie? And uh, so that one, you better pray really extra hard over that baby, right? So it's just full of these incredible things. And we're going to go over some of the main things and have a great time in this series. And here's how I want you to begin to look at the Old Testament. It's Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. It says the law of Moses, and Leviticus is full of the law of Moses, is like a shadow of the good things to come. This shadow isn't the good things themselves because it cannot free people from sin by the sacrifices that are offered year after year. And so when you look at the Old Testament, God just puts a whole lot of pictures in there. And he shows us these incredible things through images. And that's what we call types and shadows. So today, in in this first lesson, we're going to look at what's called the grain offering. And the grain offering's amazing. It's a type of us worshiping. It's an amazing thing. Animal sacrifices were a type of Christ because blood had to be shed to cover our sins, right? And so that's any kind of animal sacrifice. But the grain offering, we're going to find out, is a type of you and I worshiping God. And the images are amazing. And what it shows us about ourselves and what God created us to be and how God created us to relate to him, it's absolutely amazing. It's amazing. We're going to have a great time. So here's my big idea. This is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. I know a lot of you guys know this, so I just want us that know it to go to the next level. And that's what I love about teaching because I, I spend my time in this and it's like, whoa, these are some things I forget. They, they slip. And so I want to make sure I take this to the, to the higher level that God created it to be. For some of you, it'll be a first time thing and you're going to walk out of here with smiles on your face. It's like, whoa, I didn't know I could do that. So here it is. Listen, it goes like this. Authentic praise produces authentic presence. And at first, it may not have a lot of ump, but by the time we leave here, when I say it, you're going to be really excited. So authentic praise is going to be seen in Leviticus. We're going to make sure you understand what authentic praise is referring to. But I want to talk just for a moment about authentic presence. That's just referring to the presence of God. And praise or worship, whichever we call it, it always brings God's presence upon us. And it's an amazing thing. But God's presence isn't weird. And that's really important for you to understand. God's presence is his peace, his joy, his strength, his life, his power. And whenever you worship, the presence of God is going to come upon you. And it's an amazing thing. And you can tell when someone's a worshiper. You can tell when someone's not a worshiper. It's kind of like I'm not a smoker. I used to be a chain smoker. I used to smoke three packs a day. And uh, then I gave it up, you know, and decided I'd save my lungs. But uh, I did that right after I accepted Christ. But I can tell you, if someone walks in a room that just smoked, I don't know about you, but I can smell it. It's just all over them, right? And I'm not judging them. I don't care. It's not going to hurt them. or I'm, I say it hurt them physically, but I'm not going to send them to hell or anything like that. That's up to them. That's something they have to decide. But you can smell it. And you just can't hide it. It's, it's just there. And... Uh, when you praise God, his presence is just there. And you'll sense it by people having more peace, more joy, more life, more freedom. It's an amazing thing. So here's one of my favorite verses in the Bible about God's presence. Uh, Psalm 22.3 says this, Yet I know that you are most holy. It's indisputable. You are God enthroned, surrounded with song, living amongst the shouts of your princely people. I like that. 
And many verses say it this way, God inhabits the praises of his people. And that, that word enthroned literally means to dwell upon. Now, if you read any verses in the Bible, Revelations 4, Revelations 5, that, that show us scenes of the God's throne room, God's throne room is filled with this thing called worship. And so when we worship him authentically, authentic praise produces authentic presence down here. It literally is a place he begins to show up with his presence, his life, his kindness, his, earth, his peace, his joy, all those wonderful things. And what's important for you and I to understand is when you accepted Jesus, God created you to be a worshiper. Listen to this, 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I like this. This is, has many things in it, but what we want to emphasize, guys, is that God created you to be a priest, male, female, you're a priest. If you're a Christian, you're a priest. Now, not a modern-day priest. This is referring to an Old Testament priest. And Old Testament priests, what did they do? They offered sacrifices to God. That was part of their, their thing that they did. So now, you and I are New Covenant or New Testament priest, and our number one sacrifice is praise and worship. And every time you worship, that's a sacrifice that goes up to heaven, and it is one incredible thing. But here's what I want you to understand. You were created to be a priest. So I want to take a moment. Guys at TCI, Borman, Warren, all the guys here, listen. Worship is something us men can do because we're created to be worshipers. And I do want to make a statement. You ready? I am a manly man. All right? Now, that doesn't mean I'm the toughest guy in this room, in Borman, TCI, for sure I'm not. Okay, <laughs> guaranteed that. In my prime, I wouldn't be the toughest guy in this room. But when I say manly, I'm just mean I'm a guy, man. I'm a guy. Um, I like to shoot things with my gun. I just love shooting things. Um, I love action movies. And now Gina teases me because um, when I watch my action movies, like for instance, I, I, I love the two Navy SEAL shows that are on every week now, you know, and, and they're just absolutely awesome. I'll record them, but Gina will catch me fast forwarding all the relationship parts. So when that guy's talking to his girlfriend or his wife, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with liking it, but it bores me, my, just bores me to death. So I, I fast forward that, and I just want to hear the strategy parts. I want to watch the seals do their thing so I can get through an hour show much quicker than the average person, right? That's what I mean when I say I'm a manly man. I, I am normal guy, but I'm a worshiper. And it's the most powerful thing I've ever experienced. And about two times a year here at Believers, I will get on this subject one way or another. And I thought, well, Leviticus has this grain offering. We, we need to talk about this thing called worship. So when, when I was a young guy, I was probably 20 years old. I was a Christian about a year. I used to come to a church like this. And during the whole song service, when we're singing songs, I would just look around. And I hadn't gone to Bible school, hadn't met Gina yet. I'm single. First thing I did every week is, is there a new girl in this room, you know? And I would just look for girls. And then I would check out what's everybody wearing, who's here, who didn't come, who came. And, and I would sing the songs. I mean, I, I would sing them, but they were kind of coming from here and not from here. And I'll never forget the day. It's a day that, that I thank God for. The day when I heard some teaching and I, 
literally worshiped God as if I was standing in front of the throne. And for me, I have to close my eyes because I'm a, I'm a nipnose. So whatever's happening, I have to know it. So I have to close my eyes. And, and I just worshiped God as if I was standing in front of the throne. And it's like time stood still. It was the first time I felt God's presence on my life. And I thought, this is amazing. And I became, I became addicted to it. So I worship just about every day of my life. I wake up a little early and I just put on a worship song and I just worship. Why? Because authentic praise produces authentic presence. So I just want to talk to you about authentic praise and what it looks like. So Jesus meets this woman at the well and there's a lot of backstory that's really fun, but we're not going to take our time on that tonight. But he is talking with her and then he begins to talk about worship and I want you to notice what he says. This is John 4, verse 24 or 21. And Jesus says this, believe me, dear woman, which was amazing. He wasn't supposed to talk to her. Uh, Jews despised Samaritans and men did not, Jewish men did not talk to women in private, but Jesus elevated women. He let us know women should be treated equal to men. And he said, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in or from your heart. And he's changing everything because the Samaritans had to go to a specific mountain to worship. The Jews had to be in Jerusalem. And Jesus is just changing everything up here. And he's talking about the day in which he would raise from the dead and we would accept him. He's talking about the day in which we're living. We're still living in that day. Listen to verse 23. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. And it really doesn't matter where we're at. I, I, I really believe what I'm about to say. I could worship God in a barn. It doesn't matter because it's not about the location. I can worship God with stained glass. I can worship God in an auditorium like this. I can worship God anywhere because it's not about my location. It's about worshiping from here. And that's authentic. That's just coming out of here. Not here, but out of here. Verse 24 says this, for God is a spirit and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. There's something really important here. Sincere is authentic. So he's looking for authentic worshipers, worshiping from here. But notice what it says, for God is a spirit and he longs to have sincere worshipers. Now this is really important because God cannot be God if he has any needs. So God's not needy. Some of us have needs, right? There's certain things we need, and all of us need relationship, right? I mean, I don't care who you are, even us guys. If our wives are gone for, you know, three or four days, we, we start to want to talk to somebody, right? Uh, the first two days, we're like, okay, but then after that, it's like, I need to talk to somebody, right? So God doesn't need, he doesn't need anything. So when it says he longs for sincere worship, what he's, what he's saying is, I long for you to experience me because God doesn't have any needs. It's not that he doesn't like you. It's not that he won't enjoy it when you worship him, uh, but it's him wanting you to worship because that's when his authentic presence will come on your life. And he's wanting you to experience the living God. It's an amazing thing. So this is what makes us different than any other religion. And we'll see that because we want to look at Leviticus now. We want to look at this grain offering. And I want to show you some cool things. So, so here it is, Leviticus 2, in verse 1. And it says, When anyone brings a grain offering to the Lord, their offering is to be of the finest flour. They are to pour olive oil on it and put incense on it. 
So the flour had to be the finest. And you know what's interesting? Um, these guys were nomads at the time. They had lots of cattle. They had lots of herds of sheep, goats, and cattle. But they had to go buy this grain. Not, not until they settled in, in the Canaan land could they grow their own wheat. So this, this was something that cost them a lot of money. And God said, I don't want you to buy the cheap stuff. I want you to buy some really good stuff. And I want you to offer that to me. But we see two of three ingredients. Here they are olive oil and incense. That's two of three. So let's read on, verse 11. Every grain offering you bring to the Lord must be made without yeast, for you're not to burn any yeast or honey in the food offering presented to the Lord. Now there's two ingredients they had to make sure wasn't in there. And, and this is all going to show us what authentic worship is compared to unauthentic. And then verse 13 says this, season all your grain offerings with salt, do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. So that's the food offerings too. So salt is really important. So three ingredients they add, two they make sure aren't there. And we're going to have a blast as we check this out and we find out what to add, what to take out, because all God's doing is he's painting a picture of what worship looks like. So let's talk about the added ingredients. You ready? Incense, oil, salt. Now the word incense, it's literally translated elsewhere in the Bible as frankincense. This is one of the three gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus. And when they burned incense or frankincense, it always symbolized prayer or worship. And we know in this case it's worship. It just symbolizes our worship going up to heaven. It's an amazing thing. Now, I grew up Catholic, and my parents loved uh, the midnight mass on Christmas Eve. They just loved it, and I loved it too. Um, I loved it for a couple reasons. One, it was nice to have it behind us, so after we opened our toys, we didn't have to go to church, right? We could stay home all day. But the other thing I loved about it was just the, the whole ceremony thing, and the priest had this incense dispenser, and incense was burning in it and hung on a chain. And then he would go like this at certain parts. And it would just fill the whole sanctuary up with this incredibly smelling incense. And I just loved that. I didn't know at the time it represented our worship going up to heaven. I had no idea. Then when I was in high school, I was still an altar boy. I got to light that baby behind stage. And I used to have fun lighting the incense. And, and I, I got to hand it to the priest, and then he'd do this. And that smell would just fill the room. And that's why God says, put incense on it. He doesn't want us to mistake the fact that this is referring to a picture of what our worship should look like. But then he said this. He said, I need to have salt on there. I need to have oil on there. So authentic praise produces authentic presence. So listen to Second Chronicles 3, 5. It says, Don't you know that the Lord, the God of Israel, has given the kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever by a covenant of salt? Now, in the Bible, in Bible days when this was written, salt was as valuable as gold. And they traded, the merchants traded with salt. It, it was very, very sparse. And so it was very valuable and people wanted salt, did all kinds of things. Well, when they sealed the covenant between themselves or when God sealed the covenant, he always sealed it by putting salt on that particular covenant. 
And so what salt represents, it just represents you and I having to be in covenant with God. So this, this very grain offering lets us know that you have to have salt on it, which means you cannot be an authentic worshiper till you meet Jesus. And once you meet Jesus, you're able. There's a cool story in 2 Kings 2, uh, verses 19 through 22. Um, Elisha's a prophet, and the people from this town come to him, and they say, our, our well, our water well is poisoned, and they say, can you do anything about it? So here's what he says. He says, bring me a brand new bowl, and fill that brand new bowl with salt. And they had to be freaking out, because salt water is not drinkable neither, right? And he takes his big bowl filled with salt, and he pours it into the well, and it heals the water. And God's showing us something about salt. When you and I accepted Christ as our Savior, God cleaned us up from the inside out. He, re, he, he caused the real us, our spirits, to be born again and to be 100% just emptied of all poison. We're created in God's image, God's likeness. And in order to have authentic praise, you have to be a Christian. You have to be a child of God. You have to have that born-again experience. And that's all the salt is referring to. So every one of you in this room, you have that ability, but you need one more thing. You need oil. And oil is just symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And I love this verse of Scripture. It's pretty powerful. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Think about this now. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, and you're not your own? If you're a Christian, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they're all all God, three persons, one God. The Holy Spirit came to live in you the minute you accepted Christ as your Savior. And I pray all the time, God, open my eyes wider to the fact that you live in me. That, that changes everything, right? You act a little different when you realize everywhere I go, God's there and he's inside me, right? Everything I say, God's right there. And here's what's beautiful about it. When God said, pour the oil on, here's what he's saying to us. You and I cannot worship God authentically unless we accept Christ. And then, of course, when we accept him, we need the spark of the Holy Spirit, which is automatically inside of us. So if you're here, that's why the Bible says you are a priest unto God. Just accepting Christ, the salt, the oil, it just made you an authentic worshiper. Now, we just have to make sure there's two things that are not in our worship, and that's the honey, and that's the yeast. And that's where we can just draw and paint a picture that I think is beautiful. So let's talk about the subtracted ingredients. God said no honey. God said no yeast. Or leaven, as it's called in many translations. So listen to Leviticus 2.11 again. Every grain offering you bring to the Lord must be made without yeast, for you are not to burn any yeast or honey and a food offering presented to the Lord, which we know now is a type of worship. What's God trying to show us? So I did this, when I was researching this, I, I, I looked up everywhere in the Bible where the word honey was used, because I couldn't figure out why, why no honey. And I looked everywhere, and every verse on honey is positive. The only most negative thing you can find about honey, the only negative thing, is don't eat too much of it. Other than that, there's nothing negative about it. So I'm saying, God, why can't they have honey on their grain offering? This, this is painting a picture of our worship. Why can't they have honey on it? And so I had to go to some other sources, and I began to read after Jewish scholars, you know, the, 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 the Jewish uh, theologians. 
And they, they understood it perfectly. Here's, here's what these guys say. They say that all the pagan worshipers, Egypt and how they worshiped, all the worshipers around them in the land that they were going to inherit, they all poured honey on all their offerings, every offering to their God. And the reason God said no honey is he wanted to show us that he's going to create something, a relationship with us that's different than anything any other religion has ever introduced. And it is, guys. And so he says, take, take the honey out because, guys, no other religion gives its followers the ability to worship God and to have God's authentic presence come onto their life. That is only Christianity. That's God wanting to have a relationship with you. He started it with Adam and Eve when he'd come down in the cool of the night and, and he would literally walk with them. And so this is so powerful because God's saying, I want to give you guys something that no other religion has, an opportunity to have a relationship with the living God. And so when you worship authentically, and we want to take a look at that yeast in, in, in a moment here, but when you worship authentically from here and not from here and you just worship God, his beautiful presence shows up. No other religion teaches you can ever sense or feel the presence of God, that you can have a relationship with the living God, and that's something unique to Christianity, and that's something God's given to each and every one of you in this room, and that is very precious. And that's why a couple times a year I teach on this subject, guys, because I'm a manly man. I, I mean, I, I, I do manly things, but I'm a worshiper because God created me to be a worshiper, and there's nothing like the presence of God. Now listen, let's talk about yeast for a minute. We all know how yeast works in bread, right? Um, you, you put yeast, which is a bacteria, in your, in your bread, and what does it do? It causes the bread to rise, and you know, science tells us now what happens. The yeast eats sugar molecules uh, inside, inside the grain, and then it produces a gas. So the gas causes the bread to rise. So I guess it's yeast toots that cause the bread to rise. You may never want to eat bread again, right? You might say, give me the flat bread, man. No, no thanks. I don't want yeast toots. But that's, what, that's what's happening. And yeast in the Bible is always negative. It's 100% negative every time you read about yeast. And, uh, and so it, has, it can be a type of pride because pride blows us up, makes us think we're greater than we are, right? So sometimes it's used to refer to pride. Sometimes it's used to refer to sin. But in this case, when it comes to worship, Jesus let us know what it's referring to. And it's an amazing thing. Listen to Luke 12, verse 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And that's why he said no yeast. Why? Because he said, this is going to be authentic. And what is hypocrisy? The Pharisees were religious leaders of the Jewish faith at that time, and they were hypocrites at the highest level. What does it mean to be hypocritical? They did everything to be seen of men. They wore these elaborate garbs and, and had these elaborate hats on. And when they went to give an offering, they'd have people blow trumpets and say, look what I'm doing. Everything they did was just to be seen of men. But behind closed doors, they had no love for God. They were godless behind closed doors. And they just acted it out in public. And authentic praise is just you and I loving God all the time and worshiping him from here instead of just wanting to be seen of men. And that's what it means to take the leaven out. And I think, 
I think many of us know that, but I want to keep growing in that. And I always ask myself this question, how do I worship God at home? Because that's important. What do I do at home versus what I do in church? And is it the same, or do I do something different because people are watching, you know? And, and, and so some people just want to be seen of men, and you can tell who they are, but most people just are as authentic as can be. They're worshiping from here, not here, and they're just worshiping God as if they're standing in front of them. So in my house, Gene and I are now empty nesters, by the way. I don't know if I've told you that, but we're excited about it. We love our kids, but we're really excited about it. Um, just the house is the same every time we come home. It's like, ah, that's awesome. It's quiet. That's awesome too, right? So, and we love our kids. But listen, listen, listen. When our kids were in the house, I'd go in the basement and I'd worship God in the basement because somebody would walk down and interrupt me, you know, and I'd, I'd have my devotionals down there. Now it's just Gina and I, and she likes to stay up in our room and she'll lay on the bed and, and worship and read and things like that. But I go in our living room and I turn on the gas fireplace and in, in um, the winter, I've been doing that just about every day in the winter, and I just sit on a, a couch. And one of the first things I do is I turn on some worship music, and I just worship. I just sing to God. It's just absolutely amazing. And, and, and every now and then, I'll raise my hand, and I'll just raise my hand, but it's just, I'm not doing it. No one's watching me, right? I'm just raising my hand, but I can only keep my arms up so long with all this muscle mass that cramps up, you know? So, so it's like I have to go like this. I, I'm not a real long hand upper, you know? It's just like, eh, for a second. And then my arms are like, oh, that's, I'm all cramped up there. So, so uh, but I just look at, what do I do when I'm all alone? I just sing to God as if I'm in front of him. And, and I pick songs like the last two songs we did. Can you all agree? Those are amazing songs, right? And, and I just, I mean, I just, I just worship God and sing those songs and then I might do two. Some days I do one. It depends how much time I have. But I might do two. And then I just sit in one. And I just sit there. And it's amazing what happens. It's like when you're a smoker is smoking, you know. When I walk out of there, you can tell I was there. I'm a different guy. Now, the worst time for me is the holidays for devotionals, right? That Christmas, New Year time. Oh, that's tough. I'm busier here. And then we're doing all these family things. And usually five or six days into the holiday, Gina will look at me and say, why are you so grumpy? Why are you biting my head off? I go, I didn't know I was biting my head. Oh, your tone is really bad. You, you just got this mean tone. I'm like, I don't even know what a tone is, you know? And, and, and so we're, we're going through this, and I kind of know she's right, because I am grumpy. And uh, then I say, I am so disappointed because you don't love me for who I am. I'm, the real me is grumpy, and you don't want me grumpy. But she'll always say, why don't you go in your room? I'll do all this stuff, getting ready for coming. Just go spend some time with God. And I'm telling you, it changes everything when I worship because authentic praise produces authentic presence. So I'm going to make a challenge here. You guys ready? For all of us in this room, male and female, but for the guys, I think, uh, it seems like women have less walls up when it comes to worship than, than us guys. And I throw myself in there. But I can tell you this. Once, once you cross over and you experience true worship, it's the most amazing thing, and you feel the presence of God. And so I want to encourage you in your, in your closets, wherever that is, I want to encourage you. You may not be able to do it every day. Um, I just want to encourage you, add one day a week and begin to taste and see that God is good and his presence is good. Put worship on in your car 
and just begin to see the atmosphere. I don't know, can, can we all agree after worship in a service, don't you feel better than when you walked in? Something happens. It's the authentic presence of God. Can we give it up and say, thank you, God? It's just, it's just absolutely amazing. So I am so excited that God said, guys, I want to give you a religion where you can actually have a relationship with me. It's not like other religions. They're going through all these motions, but there's no relationship. But God says, I want you to have a relationship with the living God, and there's nothing on planet Earth like it. So I just want to challenge you to add that into your schedule, put it on in your cars. It changes everything when we do this. So can we bow our heads today? Can we just close our eyes, bow our heads? Campus, boardman, TCI, man, Lord... We thank you here in Warren. We thank you in Boardman. We thank you, TCI. Lord, we just thank you that you've created us to worship. And Lord, for some, they're so new and it might be different, but for others, it's like, yeah, I haven't walked in that in a while, but I know how good it is. And for others, it's like, I do that every day. But Lord, right now, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And man, we thank you for speaking to us tonight. We thank you for painting that picture in the book of Leviticus. And Lord, we thank you that we can be authentic worshipers who worship just because we love you from our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us something that no other religion has, the honey's taken off. We thank you, Lord, that when we accepted Jesus, you poured the salt, you poured the oil in, Lord, and we thank you that when we worship, goes right up to heaven and then you come and you dwell amongst that and we we, we have a, the blessing of your presence so Lord our heads are bowed our eyes are closed I thank you for speaking to Christians today speak to our hearts Lord I thank you that there are people right now making commitments and I thank you you're going to give them the grace not because they have to, but because they want to, just to, to begin to experience what they've not experienced before. Lord, thank you for showing so many that this is something they have that comes with our Christianity. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Listen up, listen up. I'm going to allow God to keep just ministering life to our hearts. So let's stay in an attitude of prayer. But maybe you're here and you say, hey, I'm not sure of my forever. I'm not sure if I were to die, I'd go to heaven or to hell. Maybe you're Borman, maybe you're TCI, maybe one of the guys invited you tonight, you came in with them to service. The Bible declares that whoever calls on the name of the Lord, he will save them. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to God, the Father, unless they come through me, God, the Son. God's given us a way. He's given us a way. And if you're here and you say, I can't remember a day in my life when I made it personal, when I accepted Christ as my Savior. I can't remember that day. But you say, I'm ready to seal the covenant of salt with God right now. I'm ready to accept Christ as my Savior. I'd like you to pray with me. And before we pray, I just want you to know, I'm not asking you to join a church or a religion. I'm not asking you if you grew up in a Christian church. I'm not asking you if you're water baptized as a baby or an adult, because you can do all that and never know Jesus. Here's what I'm asking. Can you remember a day when you from your heart said, Jesus, I accept you as Savior. And I believe you're the only way to heaven. If you're here and you say, I can't, but I'm ready, would you pray with me? Boardman, TCI, let's pray together, guys, at all our campuses. Everyone in the room, can we help them pray? Just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I need a Savior. And this night, I look to Jesus. 
Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe you're the only way to heaven. And this day, I accept you as my Savior. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.